0: It is showtime, baby! Here we go!
1: Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Here
2: oh, There you go. Just three! Sorry! Oh, wow. As this game is going on,
1: he's feeling it, and you can see he's rising to the occasion. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Oh! Awesome, baby! With a cap the
0: It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor, T.C. Martin.
1: This is your captain, baby.
3: Hey, come with me. The
0: doctor is now in.
3: Hour number two, live from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. No better place to be on the planet than the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Whether it's for your betting needs here at the William Hill Sportsbook, come on down. Get the mobile app if you don't have it already. Deposit at least $50 into account. Use the promo code TC50, just like Double B did the other day. There you go. And uh, $53 into your account so you can bet tonight's game, Gonzaga and Baylor, the food options, fantastic here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. It is championship game Wednesday, one hour in the books. I want to thank Tracy Murray for joining us, Sam Gordon, Tim Brando. Coming up this hour, Scott Spritzer will join us, Lon Kruger, the former head coach at Oklahoma, and, of course, UNLV. And joining us now here, live at the Cosmopolitan, our good friend, the former UNLV runner rebel, Curtis Terry, in the house. What's going on, CT? Nothing much, fellas. How's it going? It's going great, man. Appreciate yeah. you being back here oh, again.
4: Of course, thank you for having me. Now, like I just said before we came on there, I owe double B an apology. <laughs> Let's Up hear it. The UCLA Bruins <laughs> played a heck of a game on Saturday. Uh, probably even better than you expected, even though I'm, I'm <laughs> sure you bet them.
2: But uh, boy, oh boy! How about that
4: great game, great performance all around. I think Mick Cronin and his team—they can't do anything but hold their heads high for what they accomplished.
5: Yeah, the Bruins across the country are very proud of their effort. Uh, just came up a little short. The kid knocked in a 35-foot bank shot to force uh, to, to to prevent double overtime. But the team kept coming back. They were down seven after the flagrant foul. They were down five with a minute to play. And uh, they showed the heart of a champion and uh, just came up a little short against obviously a better and more skilled team in Gonzaga. And I
4: don't know about you guys, but I thought when they got down – they got down seven, I think. They went to seven, then they cut it back to three, then they went to seven again. I thought they were going to get ran out of the gym at that point. Yeah. But they kept chipping away. They stuck in it. Very gritty performance. I mean, that's kind of a classic Mick Cronin, Cincinnati Bearcats performance that they put on on Saturday.
3: All right, looking forward to tonight's championship game. Gonzaga and Baylor will tip it off at 620. And they can catch it all here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas as well. All right, so again, plethora of guests today as we preview in tonight's game. And I thought I would uh, call in the old coach today. Uh, just a great friend uh, of the program and a great friend of you, Curtis Terry, as you well know. Your former coach joins us who just announced his retirement. We had him on the day that he announced his retirement here going back uh, nearly two weeks ago. We're talking about the former Oklahoma head coach and UNLV head coach, Lon Kruger. Lon, what is going on, my friend?
0: They say all all is well, waiting for a a really good basketball game tonight. Uh, I think clearly the uh, two best teams uh, remain standing, and uh, hopefully it will be a great game.
3: Yeah, we know it will be. So, Lon, I'm really curious to get your take here tonight. Uh, You actually played both of these teams. You played Gonzaga in the tournament there in in the second round and played them pretty tough. And then again, obviously playing Baylor that you know very, very well in conference there. Uh, Give us your thoughts about both teams as we look at Forward to tonight's matchup.
0: Yeah, both teams, uh, they just have a lot of good players on the floor all the time that keep the pressure on you. I mean, anytime uh, you break down a little bit defensively, they're getting downhill, they make plays for each other, they move the basketball, uh, both are exceptional. Then both are very good defensively. I know a lot is made of uh, Baylor's defense. But I think Gonzaga is much better than, uh, than folks give them credit for because they've got good basketball players. Uh, on the floor, they know how uh, both teams are very well connected, and and uh, Scott Drew and uh, you know does uh, does a great job. And uh, again, Gonzaga, what Mark's done there is well documented. He does a great job as well.
3: Lon Krueger joins us, as we talking about tonight's game between Gonzaga and Baylor going back to that game in the second round when you when you faced Gonzaga, and I know we talked a little bit about this uh, before Alon, about exactly what they bring uh, to the table. How difficult were they to prepare for?
0: Well, they just keep coming at you. I, I think uh, regardless of how you prepare, when you get out there, they're, they're cutting a little harder, they're moving the ball a little bit more quickly, and then whenever the ball gets into Timmy, uh, you, you just uh, you know, everything everything works for it. And you uh you know, you got so many weapons on the perimeter, and then Timmy's such a good finisher inside. and a great passer, so uh, they, uh, you know, players on the perimeter really move hard because they know Timmy will get them the ball if they come open.
3: You know, you saw that Baylor team, like we, like we said in conference, uh, great guard play that they have there with uh, Davion Mitchell and then Butler, and then we know they can bring guys off the bench as well too. Talk a little bit about the the Butler guards coach and and how important that is come tournament time
0: they're excellent uh, they've got uh, really uh, four or five really good guards uh, when they bring uh flagger off the bench uh Meyer off the bench uh, those guys are really good and uh, they all get downhill then they're very physical defensively against the ball they can really start you and uh, and take you sideways so uh they've uh they've got, they've got great guard play and uh, then you know you got chachua and uh, and vital and, and those big guys inside uh, Yeah, they're really, uh, really tough too.
3: All right, Coach, I believe we've got one of your, your former players. You know, he's here with us today, uh, uh, Curtis Terry. Uh, Curtis, what do you want to say to the coach?
4: First of all, I want to say congratulations, Coach, on the retirement. Obviously well-deserved in terms of you being able to, to retire and spend some quality time with Barb and Ange and Kevin and the grandkids. Um, and we could talk Big yeah. 12 basketball in, in, in the national championship tonight, but I'm curious, Kevin's just announced that they've had three Big 12 transfers come into UNLV. What do you foresee kind of Kevin doing in terms of rebuilding this UNLV basketball program?
0: Yeah, as you know, uh, you, know uh, you know, Las Vegas is a good destination spot for transfers. I mean, they uh, they've all been to Vegas because they played AU ball in the summertime, and uh, I'm I'm most thrilled about the staff that Kev assembled uh, the there. When you look at the, the folks, uh, you know, uh, you know, they have got great networks of recruiting, they've got uh, great experience. Uh, they'll they'll mesh very well together, and. Uh, and uh you know i think they'll get really good players in there which you have to have in this day and age and uh and uh, i know uh, he's excited about it
3: i'd like to know about that uh recruiting pitch that uh that curtis terry got uh you know from, from the krugers that's what i want to know. You know take take, <laughs> take me back in time coach what was that all about
0: yeah i'll tell you what curtis we'd, we'd like to have a lot more players like curtis you know he's uh He's one of those uh, great team-first attitude and great worker every day in practice and all about whatever he can do to help the team win. And uh, we appreciate you looking over him there. It sounds like he's doing a good job on the radio too.
3: <laughs> and you kept him away from Arizona too. You know, you know, His brother ends up going there, and we get him here. So, well, what uh, was, that's
0: what, what? good. He's a Las Vegas. You know, we need to keep him right there in town. There you uh, go. We look forward to seeing him uh, whenever we get out there
3: and Curtis talk a little bit about that you know as you went through the recruiting process and again you know choosing UNLV and like like Lon just said and I know that Kevin wants to do we always talk about that you want to keep your best players home
4: yeah 100% for sure and I think the biggest thing for me I'm super appreciative to coach Kruger uh, and his staff for giving me the opportunity to walk on at UNLV and I think just by it's not it's not what you know it's who you know and for me being able to have that link to coach Kruger when he was coaching the Hawks and coach my brother Jason right. that got my foot in the door to be able to come down here and get that opportunity to walk on and so I'm forever indebted to coach um, and his family for what they the uh, opportunity they pr- afforded me but I think you always want to keep your local kids here so I think Kevin's going to try to keep as many guys as he can here in Vegas uh, but I think the biggest thing for Kevin is trying to get guys here that want to be here that want to compete that are selfless that are trying to better themselves um, and the opportunity that they have and so I'm excited to see what Kevin. Is going to do obviously these three big 12 transfers are going to kind of set the foundation but he's still got a bunch of more spots to fill as we've seen kind of look the guys that have went into the transfer portal right.
3: and you mentioned uh, about uh, building his staff kevin building his staff and coach he's got one of your longtime assistants at oklahoma that will come and join him here at unlv correct
0: absolutely and uh, carlin hartman is uh, one of the best he's got uh, great experience he's got a great network uh you know he's, he's coached a lot of different places uh He's a terrific recruiter, but an outstanding basketball guy. And then most importantly, uh, as Curtis knows, it's about relationships with the players. And these guys uh, appreciate the time that he gives them. And, and uh, you know, the, the, not just on the floor, but also off the floor. And Tim Buckley has got that same background. So, uh, yeah, with uh, the experience of Carlin Hartman and Tim Buckley, I know Kevin will lean on those guys hard, and uh, they'll do a great job.
3: So, Coach, have you uh, relocated back here yet? We, we know that you are going to be spending a lot of time here. Is this, is this uh, going to be home for you now, back here in Vegas again?
0: It will be eventually. You know, we've uh, got some things to tie up around here, and uh, we'll be, uh, you know, the short term, we'll be operating out of here, but getting to Vegas a lot, getting to Nashville a lot. That's where our daughter lives with her grandkids, with her you know, daughter and two sons. So, you know, those grandkids have a, a big tug on us. So, uh, We'll be wherever
3: they are, for sure. All right, Lon Kruger joins us. We're live at the Cosmopolitan. T.C. Martin Show along with Brian Benowitz, Curtis Terry, and Frank Harnish.
2: Hey, Coach, uh, I know Curtis was just mentioning some of the Big 12 transfers that are coming over to UNLV. Going into the tournament, it seemed like everybody was talking about the Big 10 is the best conference, and the Big 12 and some other ones pretty good as well. Is it fair to say with the way Baylor's played and teams like your Oklahoma club and other ones that the Big 12 is just as good or, or on par with anybody else in college basketball right now?
0: The league has been for, for the last several years. Uh, this year, I think from top to bottom, it's uh, probably the best the Big 12 has been. We didn't show that, as it turned out, in NCAA tournament play. Uh, the Big 10 and Big 12 uh, lost out early. Pac-12 did a great job. But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's an outstanding conference. The coaches in the league are really, really good. And uh, every night out, you know you got to play well to have a chance.
3: So, Coach, we understand that uh, you know one of those transfers that we're talking about it was one of uh, coming from Oklahoma as well too, and I'll uh, probably mispronounce the name. but uh, Victor Uricor uh, speak a little bit about him?
0: Yeah, he's a he's a great kid. He's great energy, great enthusiasm. Fans will love him. Uh, he's a terrific athlete. You just needs repetitions, and he'll get those. And uh, He'll do, uh, yeah, he'll do a great job. Uh, and again, uh, you know, Ham and, and McCabe, you know, those two guys in the conference are really outstanding guys. Uh, love love the character that they're bringing to the program and uh, their work ethic and uh, their team first attitude. All three of those guys will be fun uh, fun for the fans and uh, and you know, fun to coach as well.
3: All right. Before we let you go, Coach, uh, we need a prediction for tonight's game. Like I said, you know both these teams very, very well. Coached uh, against them both this season. Uh, who do you have a rooting interest for, and who do you think actually will win the game tonight?
0: Love both coaches; uh, they both do a great job. But I, I'm going to lean. I'm going to stay in, the, in conference here with the with the Baylor Bears and be pulling for them. But you know, obviously, a game that could go either way. Uh, I think it'll be uh, you know just really good players, but tour players. They play the. They, they understand the game. They move the ball. They, they make good plays for each other. So we'll uh, we'll be pulling for the Bears.
3: And, and, and final thing here, with those, the guards matchup here, with, with Suggs uh, against Mitchell and Butler, what Baylor brings to the table with the matchups here, uh, do, do you see Suggs being able to be slowed down because of what Baylor has guard-wise?
0: I think it'll be a, a great matchup. I think the big key is that uh, Mitchell for Baylor stays out of foul trouble. Mm. He's so good against the ball. Uh, you know, he's uh, he's also a little bit you know, overly aggressive sometimes. He might pick up that second foul with uh, nine ten minutes going the first half, and that would hurt Baylor a lot. They need uh, they need uh, Mitchell on the floor, and uh, and I think uh, Gonzaga have to work through Timmy in the low post. If, if those two things happen, it should go down mm. to the wire.
3: All right, Coach. We'll let you go. We appreciate the time as always. Great stuff. Appreciate you joining us, and we look forward to seeing you once you do relocate back here to Vegas.
0: Thanks, DC. Great talking to you, Curtis. Keep up the good work. Likewise, Coach. Give
4: Barb my love, and we'll see you guys soon.
0: We'll do it. Thank you, guys.
4: There he is.
3: Lon Krueger just uh, announced his retirement just a couple weeks ago. Uh, We had the very first interview with him when he announced it it was, it was it was great and he's relocating back to Las Vegas his second home maybe even say his first home he, he loves it here Kevin Kruger taking over the UNLV uh, head coaching uh, job just a lot of excitement around here with Vegas here and Curtis we always talk about coaches coming in and reaching out to the alumni and the former players and I know we talked with you about that before, and maybe that was missing a little bit with some of these head coaches that really didn't have a connection to Vegas. And we always hear about that. We heard that with Mick Cronin in UCLA. you know, really not having really ties to the UCLA program, but he, you know, like Tracy Murray told us, it, it was vital for him to, to, to reach out and get everyone back on that bandwagon again. And uh, it seems like that will happen here at UNLV.
4: Yeah, and from what I've known, from what I've heard, I mean, Kevin's already reached out to a bunch of former guys. Obviously, I don't think I've got my formal, formal call from Kevin yet. <laughs> But it's a matter for him. I think it's going to be even easier because he's known these guys and met these guys from his time playing here, obviously what he's done in in terms of his coaching career. So I think there's going to be much easier natural phone calls for him to make uh, to rebuild kind of that support system in terms of those former players as opposed to, like you mentioned, Mick Cronin kind of had to come in. It's kind of like cold calling that girl to ask her out on a date. you got to see if she's going to pick up and even say yes or no.
5: Yeah, but the thing about Cronin is he did it where Alford did not. Alford wanted to do his own thing there, and it alienated the the UCLA faithful, who's pretty passionate there about the basketball program at UCLA. So, uh, to get the to re-energize people the way that. Uh uh, Cronin has in a very short period of time is fantastic, and I have no doubt that Kruger's going to do it here. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're speaking with Lon, you're speaking to a legend who had just did nothing but respect wherever he's been and, and was beloved here when he, when he ran the UNLV program, and so it's, it's really exciting to see his son take over and uh, hopefully, you know, fill up Thomas and Mack again and get some excitement there mm-hmm. and have people talk about them again, which we really haven't in a couple of years.
3: You got it. All right, appreciate Lon Kruger for joining us here on our Championship Monday, getting the perspective from the coach's side, the player's side, the broadcaster's side, the handicapper's side, all uh, today until 4 o'clock. All right, TC Martin Show live here at the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. Curtis Terry, the former UNLV runner-rebel in the house, joined us. All right, Curtis, we talked a little bit about the Gonzaga-UCLA game. Let's talk a little bit about Baylor because that definitely was a one-sided contest. Uh, you know, on Saturday as well, you know, dominating Houston. A lot of people thought, okay, you know, this is going to be, you know, the the term rock fight was used quite a bit. You know, and I think we talked about that on the air as well too. It was anything but a rock fight, unless all the rocks were basically on the on the Baylor side because Houston was routed in this contest, and Baylor, they outshot them, they out rebounded them, they just took care of business, and they took care of the basketball.
4: And I think it's a good thing that I didn't bet the games, because I would have been completely wrong. I figured there was going to be a close game, but I thought it was going to be Baylor-Houston. I thought Houston was going to be able to put up more of a fight uh, to be able to disrupt them a little bit more, but I think they got punched in the mouth and didn't know what to do from there on out. And I thought Gonzaga was going to be the blowout game. So, again, good thing I kept my money in my pocket. But in terms of what Baylor's going to be able to do, I mean, you mentioned Gerard Butler, May J.C. Oteague, Davion Mitchell, um, and the plethora of guards that they have. They're going to throw everything in the kitchen sink at Jalen Suggs and Corey Kispert um, and Joel Ayai, and it's going to be a matter of who's going to be able to be toughest. And I think that's why it's going to be a close game because across the board these teams are pretty evenly matched, one through five in terms of the guys that are going to be on the court. And I think it's going to be of who's going to be able to make the most consistent plays and string together good offensive possessions and then get stops because if you have any lull, I think offensively or defensively, I think you're going to find yourself in a big hole tonight.
3: How, how much did Gonzaga lose the shine, guys, do you think? Because we heard so much about Gonzaga all year long. Again, the double-digit victories, the 20-plus-point victories. I mean, you look at the average margin of victory in the NCAA tournament was 24 points. Same thing during the WCC tournament. And again, as we pointed out the last couple weeks, they, they had a pretty strong non-conference schedule, and they conquered that as well, too, in this COVID year. But how much of the shine maybe has come off with that overtime victory over UCLA who was the eleven seed.
0: I give
5: zero shine off of Gonzaga. You give them nothing but credit for staking in a game where they were punched in the mouth and they were playing an aggressive, very difficult team in UCLA. And there's no there's no shine off. If anything it gives Baylor, a little bit of confidence that they could play with them. But in the end, Gonzaga has been the best team. We talked about it going into the year. Gonzaga is the team to beat. Everybody knows it. They were the team to beat last year going into the tournament. And for them to carry it to this year, there's no shine off of them. They went out and won a game. The only thing that could, to me, be trouble, Suggs plays a little bit with that football mentality. He lowers that shoulder. What if he takes a couple of charges early and they get him out of the game and he's got to rest for the half? That's my only concern really going into this whole game. I think it's all Gonzaga. I think Gonzaga is going to maybe close at halftime, but just pull away and win by 14 win by 14 90, 92-78 be wow. my
2: final. I tend to agree with Brian as far as the shine. I don't think there is any shine off, especially if they win it all. People will remember that as being a great game against UCLA. They'll also remember it as a game that they were challenged in. And you know, UCLA brought it, but they found a way to win. They went on, and then they win a game. In a strange kind of way, it might actually be beneficial to them as well because we've said all the tournament long, nobody wins a championship without a close game. Well, now they've had it. Can they play in a game that is close when it comes to crunch time? Well, they did. It took them overtime, almost double overtime in the game. But again, they found a way to win. So yeah, Baylor can take some positives out of that game. Maybe they try to implement something and go, well, let's see if we can do this or that. But they only have one day between the games. It's not like they have four or five days to implement something in a practice and try to throw in some other kind of different game plan. I think that Gonzaga and Baylor is what everybody wanted before this tournament started, or at least most people wanted. It's the matchup that we got kind of robbed of back because of COVID in December, as you've mentioned several times out there. I think it's going to be a really good game. I'm curious to see how it starts out because... We've talked in this tournament a couple games. Gonzaga, oh, the biggest challenge is going to be USC because they have the size and everything else. Well, they got punched in the mouth early. They never got back in the game. Houston was supposed to give Baylor a really good game. They got punched in the mouth early. They never got back in the game. So although it is two two 20-minute halves, it's a 40-minute basketball game, we've seen a tendency here a little bit. If a team gets up early, lately, the teams of this caliber they can kind of take that lead and they've been coasting with it and going kind of, you know, gate to wire, so to speak, as like a horse racing term or something. So I'm curious to see how it starts out because I hope it is close, because as we saw in the UCLA-Gonzaga game, if it's close, we might have a really close game all the way through. If somebody gets that spurt and they get off to that early lead, it might not be as good a game. So I I hope it's a great game right from the start and that it continues on that way. I don't have a dog in the fight, so I'm just hoping for the best game possible.
3: You know, from the Gonzaga perspective, a lot of people are saying, well, when you go through that, you know, just, you know, 48 hours ago, and you go into overtime in a game where you were challenged and and you win by a buzzer beater, where you're on that big emotional high, how are they going to show up today and come back for that? Curtis, I don't know, have you ever been in a situation like that where you had such an emotional win? Maybe you were an underdog and you guys won, or maybe you won in comeback fashion, whether you were underdog or favorite or not. And then how did you respond in the next game?
4: Nothing that, I mean, I'm sure I have. Nothing that just jumps out to the top of my head, though. But I think the thing you're going to see with this Gonzaga team is they all expect to be here. And when you look at, I believe their numbers were put out, over the course of the last six seasons that were finished, Gonzaga's made two national championship games, two Elite Eights, and two Sweet Sixteens. So in terms of experience, I mean, they've been here. Coach Few sets up his non-conference schedule on purpose to prepare his team. I mean, this year they played Kansas, they played Auburn, West Virginia, Iowa, and Virginia. And they tried, even, they tried to play Baylor. I mean, they're going out to prepare themselves for these moments. So I don't think it's going to be a matter of, wow, well, we're on that emotional high. Uh, Suggs hit that, hit that 40-foot bank shot to win the game. I think that they're going to think, hey, you know what, we got lucky that we escaped that one. But now we've got to lock back in and get prepared to go and play this team that, again, they've been preparing to play each other now for months. Because they were supposed to play originally in December and things didn't happen. And so in terms of the scouting reports, they've got all that film. They've prepared for this this game to be happening. Now they've got to update stuff and get ready to tip it off here tonight. And I think it's going to be a really, really good game. Um, and like you said, I, I don't have any, any, any skin in the game. I just hope it's a good game uh, to follow up what we saw from UCLA and Gonzaga on Saturday night.
2: Right. Yeah, and when it comes to Gonzaga, I think Gonzaga thinks they're exactly where they're supposed to be tonight in the championship game. Right. And you can make
3: the same argument for Baylor as well, too. For I mean, sure, they were absolutely. The, they were the number one seed. And again, you know, Baylor was probably thinking, hey, all this talk about Gonzaga, you know, what what, what about us? Because when, when they talked about that game in December, when that game was going to be played, I mean, it was virtually going to be a pick 'em, you know, type of game because mm-hmm. both teams were undefeated. Now, Baylor had uh, some COVID issues. Baylor ended up losing two games, okay? Uh, they lost to Kansas on the road, and they lost to Oklahoma State in the tournament. But outside of that, I mean, Baylor really didn't have any close games as well, too. And the Big 12, as we know, very, very competitive, much more so than WCC. So I think Baylor has a little bit of chip on their shoulder as well, too. And, again, they have skated through this, this postseason altogether.
4: Yeah, and Baylor's not they've, – they've been one of the best teams, them and Gonzaga. But I think right. everybody says Gonzaga's head and shoulders is the best team all season. Mm-hmm. So I think Baylor might feel a little slighted by that, especially the performance mm-hmm. that they put on in the Final Four against Houston. But again, it circles back to me is that these teams are supposed to be here. And very rarely do you see the two best teams on the course of a season on a collision course and actually meet up in that championship game. And tonight, everybody's dreams are coming true because this is what we wanted last year. Now we're going to be able to get it this year after the whole season that we've gone through in terms of being COVID impacted.
3: Do you believe that, that, that Gonzaga is the head and shoulders above everybody or we're leading
4: into this tournament? I, leading into the tournament, yes, especially just because yeah. of after Baylor coming out of that pause from COVID and they, they had some struggles. Mm. But I think that they proved during the course of this tournament that they're back to the team that they were, I mean, for their three-fourths of the regular season. Mm. And I think these two teams are head and shoulders above everybody else. I don't think it's even close, even though UCLA put on a heck of a performance throughout the course of the tournament. These two teams, is there something different about their pedigree, about the culture that they've built, about the programs that they've created on top of that? And, and you got to give Coach Drew and Coach Hugh credit because this is what they've been working for, um, and they're going to get their moment to finally win that national championship.
3: All right. Great stuff. All right. We'll continue breaking it down for you here. Gonzaga and Baylor championship game here tonight, 6.20 p.m. It will be the tip-off. Again, the betting line got Gonzaga a four-and-a-half point choice 159 and a half is the total tonight and uh, our guys on the other side here at the William Hill Sportsbook here of the Cosmopolitan saying a lot of Baylor Bear money has been coming in but overall great two-way action uh, as well too speaking of betting we'll bring in our good friend our handicapper extraordinaire Scott Spritzer, who has been on fire here he will join us on the other side of the break and we've got more from the Cosmopolitan on this championship Monday T.C. Martin ballpark Frank Curtis Terry in the house too and we'll also touch on a uh, a few more keys to the game and some breakdown from us right here as well too. Championship Monday live from the Cosmopolitan. TC Martin show. Don't you dare go anywhere. Wait, 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 wait a second. Wait a
0: second. Now more from your favorite sports radio physician, Aha. the Doctor TC Martin. Aha.
3: Hi from the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas, our championship game Monday will be our last show here for a while. So it's been fantastic, of course. Our our Friday home during the football and the basketball season. And then tonight, championship game. Get on down here. Watch the games here. Be here. And uh, get the William Hill mobile app. Again, if you don't have it already, download it on your phone first. And then get over here to the Cosmopolitan or any of the William Hill Sportsbook Properties and get some free money in your account. That's right, open a new account, use the promo code TC50, use that and get $50 free into your new betting account. Take advantage of it. You got baseball every day now. We got the NBA, it's all here for you. The William Hill mobile app. Curtis Terry in the house, the former UNLV runner rebel does a fantastic job on the UNLV running rebel radio network as well appreciate you being here again my friend great stuff as always at ballpark frank with us here double b earlier and just a uh, a plethora of guests today again thanking uh, tracy murray for joining us sam gordon tim brando lon krueger and now we uh, take it to the handicapping side and talk to our good friend scott Spritzer from doc sports scott what is happening my man how's it going tc it's going great buddy it's going great so uh,
1: how'd the final four treat you I can't complain. It was an, ended up being a split for me overall. But, um, uh, yeah, it's been a good tournament. definitely can't complain about that. And uh, just can't wait to kick back and watch this game tonight. All
3: right. Let's start uh, analyzing it, evaluating it. And then when you look at this game, Scott, uh, the line opened at five in favor of Gonzaga, got bet down to to four and a half. Uh, we're hearing a lot of uh, Baylor money continue to come in. Total 159 and a half. We'll get some opinions on, on, on both uh, the side and the total here, but uh, when this line
1: uh, was made, did that hit your number? No, I actually thought that Gonzaga, well, I thought it was the right line as far as betting was concerned, but as far as power ratings were concerned, going into Saturday's final four before either game was played, uh, Gonzaga was a good eight to eight and a half point uh, difference from Baylor. They were about eight and a half points better power rating wise, not just my own, but Ken Palm, uh, all the best power ratings you could find had Gonzaga eight to eight and a half points better than the Baylor Bears. So we get Baylor who wipes out Houston almost start to finish. Gonzaga, of course, struggles and wins in overtime on the, mirac- on the miracle shot by uh, by the Zags. And, and then all of a sudden you've got a line that comes out four and a half when I actually made the line myself six and a half. So it's one of those things where I thought for betting purposes they had to do what they had to do, which is a four and a half. And for... My personal betting purposes, uh, I made Gonzaga six at half, and it's been one of those things over the course of many, many years that if you've got the matchup on Monday night, and out of that matchup you have one team that covered on Final Four Saturday and one team that did not cover the spread, that team that did not cover the spread because of recency bias has been a little bit of value or had a little bit of value on it And they've gone on to win and cover the spread in the championship game. So uh, just a couple of thoughts on that. But, again, it was interesting because I I look at, obviously, my own power ratings first. But I do trust guys like Ken Palm. And to see that number being eight, eight and a half before Saturday's games were played and then seeing the adjustment off of one game was a little bit eye-opening for me.
3: All right, interesting stuff there. Okay, and I noticed, like from a total standpoint, one uh, stat that I saw out there: only three games uh, that have been in in the NCAA championship game have actually gone over 159 and a half. Is is that the the thinking here that people are thinking? Okay, you know, this this these guys are going to be playing a little bit close to the vest, even though we know that both these teams can get up and down the
1: court. But uh, it doesn't seem like uh, games have gone over that number very often. Yeah, and what makes it tough, like, for Baylor, I think, in a game like this, I mean, I I don't have a play on the total, but I lean towards the over. But what kept me off making the play uh, was the fact that Baylor doesn't get to the free throw line. And I want to see some free throws throughout a contest when it comes to a total that's, you know, near 160. They're 295th in the nation in free throw attempts to field goal attempts ratio, which means they just don't get to the free throw line with their style of play. And so if they, you know, play their game and that's the way things go, then there's a good chance that Baylor's not going to contribute at the charity stripe to getting to this total. Now Gonzaga is the other way around. I mean, with their style of play, you know, seventh quickest adjusted tempo, all that kind of stuff, they get to the free throw line quite often. And uh, their free throw attempts to field goal attempts ratio is strong. Uh, plus they make, you know, about 73% of their free throws on average. So, uh, but, again, I needed both teams and that's one of the things I look at when it comes to a total in a big game where you know teams could be fouling down the stretch. But over the course of the game, do both teams get uh, to the free-throw line and have that decent ratio? And for me, Baylor just doesn't make it. Again, it's a lean on the over, but I'm not going to wager on it.
3: Scott, I'm going to ask you to make arguments for both sides here, okay? So I know that, uh, again, you made the, the line Gonzaga 6.5, so it sounds like uh, that you're, you're favoring the Zags here a little bit. Uh, back, up, back up that... Uh, that side there if uh for people to bet gonzaga tonight
1: well if you're gonna jump on gonzaga i mean first of all you need gonzaga to be able to uh enforce their tempo on the baylor bears because gonzaga plays at such a a, a quick speed and the passing is just unbelievably quick a lot of times without dribbles in between passes they're seventh of the nation in adjusted tempo so baylor doesn't want to play at that level as far as the tempo is concerned so gonzaga has to be able to play their type of game. They're number one in the country in effective field goal percentage, so they've got to come out and start hitting their shots right from the beginning. Uh, they're number one in the nation in two-point shooting, and I haven't seen anything yet throughout this tournament that makes me think that Gonzaga can't continue that kind of shooting. When you look at the Baylor Bears and how they match up against Gonzaga, Baylor's only 120th of the nation in defending the two. They're a little bit worse than that defending the three, and their effective field goal percentage is like 113th in the country. So uh, if I'm looking to jump on Gonzaga, those are some of the reasons why. I just think it ends up being a situation where Gonzaga can enforce their tempo. That would be a good reason to jump on them. And if you do, if Baylor does play a little bit better two-point defense, uh, in this particular game, then you've got a Gonzaga team that's top 45 when it comes to three-point shooting out of 350-some-odd college basketball programs. Uh, so for those reasons, that would be why or the argument that I would make towards backing Gonzaga along with the fact that the power rating before Saturday's games, before recency bias creeps in, they were a good eight points better than Baylor on most power ratings.
3: All right, now I'll ask you to be the contrarian here and to look at the Baylor Bears here. and Obviously, they have... Uh performed very, very well in this NCAA tournament. You look at uh, you know, what Gonzaga had to endure with the 11th seed, with UCLA life and death, and, and be taken to overtime here. And you, know, you can make the argument that Baylor has a little chip on their shoulder as well, too, because we've been hearing about Gonzaga all season long. Make a case for betting the Baylor Bears plus five or four well, and a half. Starting out
1: with the Baylor Bears, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at you know, how well they shoot the ball uh, from the three-point line. And even though Gonzaga defends the three-pointer pretty well, UCLA hit uh, 47% of their three-pointers against the Zags on Saturday. And Baylor, of course, is uh, one of the top teams in all of college basketball when it comes to shooting the three. In fact, they're rated number one now after this last couple of games. They hit about 41% of their three-pointers. So even though they do shoot twos well, the bottom line is if Baylor is able to drain their threes, and Gonzaga did give up again 47% to UCLA, then Baylor can pull what would be considered a mild upset. Uh, They do shoot a good amount of threes, the Baylor Bears, but they don't just rely on it. Their three-point attempts to field goal attempts ratio is middle of the pack in college basketball. So that's a good thing because they do hit their threes, but they don't go nuts and shoot way too many threes. And I think that can Hurt Gonzaga in this particular game if they again are unable to get up inside Baylor's shirts on the deep perimeter. Same thing that happened to them against UCLA. Another thing in Baylor's favor would be offensive rebounding. They're top 10, they're like sixth in the country in offensive rebound percentage. So they're firing up these threes about half the time or whatever, less than half the time, but again, about middle of the pack in college basketball. And they normally make them, but when they do miss, they're crashing the boards and they're getting second and third putbacks. So Gonzaga is going to have to continue to do what they did for most of the season, but against much lesser opposition, which is to keep Baylor off the offensive glass. And that's probably along with the fact that the Baylor Bears play the 200 first adjusted tempo. And a lot of times in these big games among almost equally elite talent between two teams, those teams that tend to slow things down a little bit or tend to be more deliberate uh, do throw a little wrench into the system of a team that plays an up-tempo game. And again, Baylor is going to be the most talented team that Gonzaga's faced all year. So if they're able to adjust Gonzaga's tempo, throw them off a little bit, they can win this game. Scott Spreitzer joins us, breaking it down.
3: Doc Sports. You can catch all of uh, Scott's stuff at docsports.com.
2: Scott, certainly one of the things that made the UCLA-Gonzaga game interesting was the foul trouble that both teams had, but certainly Gonzaga, and it could have been really interesting if that went to double overtime. If this game is called tight tonight and there is some foul trouble, which team has the better bench? Which team is uh, more likely to be in trouble if they get in foul trouble in tonight's game?
1: Well, one thing they've got to do is, like if you watch that game against UCLA the other day, Gonzaga was missing free throws like crazy. And I think they ended up 12 for 20. And when you're missing free throws and all of a sudden, you know, the the, the game stays closer than it should because of that. And we saw Gonzaga struggle despite being a 73% free throw shooting team. The teams are pretty even when it comes to their free throw shooting. As far as, you know, who's going to be the deeper team, let's say, when it comes to a close game, I I would say it's almost even, but I lean a little bit towards Gonzaga. If you look at the Baylor Bears and a couple of their games that were close down the stretch, like, for instance, when they played against Oklahoma State, close final score for the most part, they end up losing the game by nine. And you'll see that even though they were losing that contest in the first half, starting the second half, throughout the course of the second half, the Baylor Bears only went eight deep, and only seven players actually saw 20 minutes or more. The eighth player that did play only saw 12 minutes. And so I think the Gonzaga Bulldogs will have a little bit of an advantage if they have to go a little bit deeper in the bench.
3: All right, Scott. Good stuff, man. All right, uh, parting words, trends,
1: thoughts. Which way are you leaning here? Yeah, I got to take uh, Gonzaga here and stick with it at four and a half and, and stick with my power ratings and not get too involved in what happened on Saturday. Uh, So, you know, and again, it's a situation where when you get to the championship game, that team that didn't cover in the Final Four is usually uh, has a little bit of value to it because of what just happened with recency bias. And so I'm going to say Gonzaga ends up winning the game. I I think the total is going to be real close to what's posted. I think it's going to end up around 158 to uh, 162 points. Then I'd like Gonzaga to win by about eight points by the time it's all said and done.
3: All right, Scott. Appreciate it as always, my friend. Good luck, and we'll talk to you real soon.
1: Thanks
3: guys. Take care. There it is, Scott Spritzer. Doc Sports. Great follow on Twitter as well too, at uh, Scott Wins, and also go check out all of his stuff there at docsports.com. Scott Spritzer, our handicapper extraordinaire. Great stuff. All right, so guys, when you when you look at this game here tonight, uh, it seems like we're pretty much split coach Lon Kruger saying, "I'm going Baylor Bears," you know. <laughs> Double B saying Gonzaga. Scott saying Gonzaga. I'm saying Baylor. I don't know where I think Frank is. I don't know where you're leaning, Frank and Curtis. But uh, give me some thoughts here. Uh,
4: me personally, I'm still sticking with Gonzaga. I hate to go against Coach Kruger. Coach knows best for sure. <laughs> but I'm a I'm a Pacific Northwest guy, so I got to I got to stick with the uh, yep. pseudo hometown team yep. here with the Gonzaga Bulldogs from Spokane. But I think it's interesting. Obviously, Scott Spritzer knows his stuff. But from a playing standpoint, all these effective field goal percentages and the trends and all these numbers that are thrown out there, to me, I'm just Stonewall because from a playing standpoint, you don't think about that. (laughs) Exactly. Obviously, you know that teams shoot three-pointers or you want to force them to a certain area on the floor, uh, limit foul trouble or worth their free throw percentage. But it's about getting stops and having successful offensive possessions. And that's what it comes down to because in the course of the game, you don't have time to think and relay and go through all these different scenarios and mathematics and the analytics. And especially for a guy that was a journalism major, all those numbers went right over my head anyways. (laughs) All that matters at the end of the day is the final score, me versus you. And I think that's where – Obviously, the guys, the bookmakers, nosmakers, and everybody, especially here in Vegas, they're great at what they do. But from a playing standpoint, I think sometimes, especially in a game like this, you might want to throw that stuff out the window yeah. because these are the two of the best teams on the course of the season. They obviously haven't played any better to each other's caliber yet, and so this is going to be a game where it might be fast-paced when you have the two top, two of the top scoring teams in the country, or it might be slowed down a little bit. But I think it's about which team is going to be able to make the most consecutive plays offensively and defensively
2: and string together those possessions. Mm-hmm. I keep on kind of going back and forth in my mind because I don't know what to make of this game. I don't want to fall into that trap of remembering what I saw last, which so many handicappers Mm -hmm. and so many betters and just fans in general do. I saw Baylor look absolutely dominant on Saturday. I thought they played an excellent ball game. I saw Gonzaga come down to earth a little bit. It scares me a little bit to see Gonzaga miss that many free throws because that makes me think, is it getting a little bit tight? Is, is it getting close to them right now where they were in a game right now and they didn't perform their best? There's a reason that nobody's gone undefeated the entire season since Indiana did in 76, because it is difficult. But then again, I think maybe it's just something about the way that UCLA plays against teams yep. that makes it so hard for them. We saw Alabama not shoot free throws. We saw, It seems like every time UCLA plays somebody, they shoot like 40% from the free throw line. So maybe it's just that matchup that whatever, that you don't feel comfortable Baylor looked really good, but they played a Houston team that I think maybe they knew a little bit too. We talk about, you know, that familiarity, like when Loyola beat Illinois so much earlier on in the tournament. They're from Texas. They did see them. There was that familiarity. So I'm going to stick with what I kind of thought going into it. I thought Gonzaga was the better team. I think they will still find a way to get it done. It would not shock me whatsoever. There's no way that I would touch this game from a betting standpoint unless I did it with the TC50 app or something like that and went the in-game wagering to see how I see the game is playing out once it gets underway because I'm not sure exactly how it's going to play here. I think Gonzaga is the better team, but I also think that it's getting a little bit tough for them right now. Now, maybe that escape against UCLA made them take a breath of air and go, all right, we got past our tough one, now let's refocus and get this thing done. But Baylor's playing with a lot of confidence, and one thing that you mentioned, and we've talked about it in so many other sports, TC, The chip on the shoulder. We talked about the Golden Knights in season one. We talked about it with other teams. We talked about it with Tampa Bay and Tom Brady coming down, teaching them how to win and that kind of stuff. I think Baylor does have that chip. They've heard about the Zags all year long. The one chance they had to play them, that game was canceled because of COVID. Then they had that little hiccup in their season because of COVID. They're a really quality team, and I don't think they feel they're getting the respect that they deserve. But when all is said and done, I think the better team is Gonzaga but I would not touch it until I see how the game tips off in the first five minutes or so of the game.
3: I love Baylor in this game uh, for, for all of those reasons. And, Curtis, I, I'm with you. I, I look at it more from a coach's standpoint and from a player's standpoint as well too instead of like all the percentages don't get caught up in the trends. I think there's some value in that when you're looking at betting. But, again, for me it's all about the eye test mm-hmm. and the emotional test. Again, you know, being in that huddle and in game planning and that sort of thing, I think Baylor does have a chip on the shoulder. But Baylor, I don't, I don't necessarily agree that Gonzaga is the better team. We don't know. We don't know because I think Baylor has been battle-tested more so on a consistent ba- basis all season long. They've got, they've got big guards. They've got guards that can shoot. They've got great perimeter, and they're much deeper than Gonzaga, and that is hard for me to go against, and especially with a team that is well-coached uh, as Scott Drew who takes care of the basketball. They take care of the basketball much better than Gonzaga. I've seen Gonzaga a lot. Okay, and, and and this team does get a little loosey-goosey at times with it. And, again, they did underperform against UCLA. We talked about they got out-rebounded and, and out-shot and that sort of thing to a UCLA team that just kind of mucks it up. And Mick Cronin's teams did that at Cincinnati, and they're doing that at UCLA. And they've transformed into those Cincinnati Bearcat teams where before Mick Cronin said, hey, we were a pretty soft team. Tracy Murray told us the exact same thing. Cronin has made this team, a UCLA team, a, a a gutsy, grinded out type type of team, and that bothered Gonzaga. Well well Baylor can do that probably better than UCLA because they have some lockdown defenders and Davion Mitchell is definitely one of those guys. So it wouldn't surprise me. Gonzaga wins going away. Would not surprise me if, if Baylor wins going away. We do have the two best teams. And when we go back to talking about being prepared i think both teams are very prepared let's remember uh, i heard both from scott drew and from mark few when that game was supposed to take place on december the 5th both of these guys prepared right and what mark few was saying is that ever since that game especially when the tournament started they looked at the bracket and they said okay we're going to end up with baylor so they have been practicing okay back home in spokane everything against that baylor defense now granted you don't have Davey on Mitchell and Macy Oteague and, 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 and Jared Butler, those guys in the Gonzaga, you know, practices because you're, you're going against your scout team guys or your backups and that sort of thing. So you can make the argument that Gonzaga is prepared for this. Scott Drew has said the exact same thing. So these teams, believe it or not, and coaches, these two coaches are, very, are friendly with each other. They know each other very well. So I think they are going to be prepared prepared for each other because they were supposed to play each other you know, going back in December. So I think it's going to be one heck of a game. This is the game that we've uh, anticipated, that we all wanted to see back in December. And then once the tournament brackets came out, we said, hey, here's the collision course here. But uh, as I sit here right now, I, I cannot uh say that I think Gonzaga is is totally the better team I think mean, you know Baylor is they're they're rolling right now. I no, mean, they're like I, a race car in the red right now, and, no, and, and I, I, I love I, this team.
2: I agree with you there. And again, I said I think Gonzaga is a better team. I don't know. I won't know till tonight. <laughs> and even tonight, I won't necessarily know. It's a one and done scenario. Yeah, yeah. This is the kind of thing. Honestly, <laughs> I would love to see these guys in a best of five or seven <laughs> type of tournament and see what happens and see after game one how the adjustments will be made and stuff like that. But that's the beauty and the curse of the NCAA tournament. It is one and done. Whichever team comes prepared to play tonight, gets off to a good start and whatever else, I think that could go a long way. It doesn't mean that somebody else can't come from behind either. But in the one-and-done scenario, there isn't a lot of time. Everything is in-game. It's only one day since the last time they played or whatever. That's what makes it so exciting. That's also what makes it so dangerous. And that's why sometimes, even if Gonzaga is the better team, it doesn't mean they win tonight. That's how you get so many upsets in the NCAA final game because that one team on that one given night you can say, well, we beat them 9 out of 10 times. But if it's the 10th time, you're not the champ. The yeah. other team's cutting down the nets.
4: And I don't think there's going to be an upset tonight. These are the two best teams. Exactly. I mean, it's 1A, yeah. yeah. one, a, they're, one B. Yeah. I mean, they're Even both. Even though
2: Baylor's
3: technically the underdog, it wouldn't yeah, be an upset. That,
4: right. that's, no. that's just exactly. from a betting standpoint, the underdog. Exactly. Again, right. these are the two best teams. The better team tonight is going to win. Mm-hmm. And I, again, it's it's every, tough to call, isn't yeah, it? <laughs> and they talk <laughs> about the guards. You talk about Davion Mitchell and yeah. Jared Butler, Mace Vitek, and all these guards that Baylor has. But at the same time, Talk about Jalen Suggs, Joel Ayai, Corey Kisper. They've got some very talented yeah. guards on their own, right? I love that, that starting five against Gonzaga. Love that, it. Yeah, they play a different style. So yeah. I think it's going yeah. to, like you mentioned, it's going to come down to foul trouble. If team, if either or both teams get in foul trouble, then what is their bench going to do? Obviously, Gonzaga has a local kid, Julian Strother from Liberty High School on the bench. Doesn't get a lot of minutes, uh, but it's a matter of they also got a local kid from Spokane and Watson, and he had a pretty good game, probably right. more than you thought he would against right. UCLA. But it's about how can you tweak your lineups and make those subtle adjustments if Timmy does get in foul trouble, if Suggs does get in foul trouble, if Kispert's not shooting. But on the other side, if Davion Mitchell, maybe he picks up a couple fouls trying to be a little too aggressive with Jalen Suggs, who is a football player, likes contact, and can draw those fouls. Things can flip-flop very easily. I think it's, again, it's who's going to be able to make the most consistent string-together plays. But if teams start to turn it over early, and if they're taking ill-advised shots, that's going to be the death of either team tonight. And who <laughs> And who can avoid the runs as well, too? Yeah.
2: And how are the officials calling the game? Are they calling it tight or are they letting them play? You know, The block charge foul, which we see Mm. so often, how is that going to be called? Are they going to let the team that's more aggressive in goals play that style or are they going to call it tight and go, we don't want anything getting too physical out of our hand or whatever? We don't want to see officials Mm -mm. decide the game. But in reality, officials always have a say in what goes on in a game, unless it is a blowout. Yeah,
4: and I think these are two very physical teams. You say, obviously, with Baylor from the Big 12, and it's a, it's a football conference, and they're kids from Texas, but Gonzaga, Drew Timmy sets the tone, and he's actually a kid from Texas. Mm-hmm. He sets the tone. Jalen Suggs played football. But you're talking about a very physical, Mark few team, and the way he's built his program over the last 20-something years. You go way back to the Casey Calvary days, yep. and I know those because, again, I'm from Seattle. We yep. watched Gonzaga growing up, and you talk about he's been building for this moment. he. Everybody talked about he's had all these great teams but never been able to get over the hump. This is going to be his best chance to do it and again, these are the two best teams. It's going to be a great game tonight and I'm excited. I just I just hope we're not disappointed and it's a foul fest <laughs> and low scoring because I'm like, God, oh, we waited for this. <laughs> and, and that's the
3: thing that you get. A lot of people say, how can this game live up to the UCLA-Gonzaga game? It, it's it's going to be hard, hard to do that. But again, if you know the, the two teams are here, and these are the teams we want. However it plays out, we wouldn't want any of the
4: teams involved here. And the the other thing I want to point out is you talk about UCLA slowed it down, and maybe Baylor can do that. Gonzaga put up 45 points in the first half, and they still put up, what, 93 in the the game. If that's slowing it down, they scored above their average. Yeah. Well, they You're shot have to slow slow it, way, 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 way more down than that. They, they shot such a high percentage too, so that's why. But again, if you terms of they slowed it down in possessions, and right. they were killing the clock in the first ten minutes of the game. Yeah, UCLA was slowing it up even when they had numbers in terms of transition. They were still walking it up, and Gonzaga was still able to put up 45 yeah. in that first half. You
3: talk about Drew Timmy for Gonzaga, 82 points in the paint. That is the most of anyone since 2010. So he gets it done, and uh, you know a lot of people tiny Gonzaga but I think that argument has gone out the window a long time ago they played eight power five teams uh, this yeah. season and we talk about how Baylor's battle tested these two teams are dead even Davion Mitchell he seems unguardable and you know for me I want to see that is Suggs going to
4: guard Mitchell what, what's, what is that going to be like it's going to be interesting. Yeah. I, I, you, you know, I, and I think that's the beauty of it because they've got the guards where they're going to be going to be matched up across the guards. You're not going to say we got one defender that's superior and going to be able to take you. I think the fact that that sucks. Even though uh, Johnny Juzang put up 27 the other night, yeah. he made it very difficult for Johnny Juzang to score his 27 points. And some of the shots that he made were pull-up jump shots with guys in his face. Those are tough baskets. Right. Now, I don't know if, if Davion Mitchell and those guys are going to be able to make those kind of shots because, again, Davion Mitchell is not as big as Johnny Juzang in terms of talking about pulling up off the dribble, but it's a matter of Jared Butler's going to have to be able to step up and knock down threes like he did in the game against Houston. He was able to, to loosen things up, knock down a couple threes. Davion Mitchell hit a big step back in that first half. They're going to have to be able to make those shots to get this defensive uh, front from UCLA to loosen up because, again, at the end of the day, if you drive too deep, Drew Timmy proved he's going to take charges. Right. Whether it's a block charge, it, he gets there every time. Prediction. Let's go. Give
3: it to me, Curtis. Gonzaga. Calling Gonzaga, huh? Gonzaga. All right.
2: I think Gonzaga, I think it's going to be a good game. And and as Curtis knows, too, the other thing, if you're an offensive player and you've got to expend even more effort on the defensive end, sometimes that can take away from the offense, too. So it will be interesting to see what kind of matchups the coaches try to do as far as lining guys up, offense, defense, and that kind of stuff. Because you don't necessarily want your superstar scorer Having to do too much on the defensive end, it might hurt him on the other end.
3: All right. All right. Make uh, arguments for both sides. Uh, everyone we've had on today, we're kind of split down the middle here. I'm going to take a shot with those uh, Baylor Bears uh, for all the reasons that we had talked about as well. Would not surprise me one way or the other. I've always loved this Gonzaga team. I love what Mark Few has built there. Uh, and again, I, I like Scott Drew and what he's done as well too. And I just love the depth of this team too. It's going to be one heck of a game. But uh, you know, right now, I'm looking four and a half find it up at five. I'll take that action. We'll see what happens and we'll reconvene tomorrow and, and talk all about it. So I appreciate uh, everyone for joining us uh, today. Uh, people here at the Casa Paula and of course all the time here are uh, our, our home. Just uh, great for you guys to come on out here and enjoy everything that the cosmopolitan has to offer from the food from the gaming to the sports book everything long kruger appreciate him for joining us tim brando the legendary broadcaster scott spritzer the legendary handicapper sam gordon from the las vegas review journal and our good friend tracy murray from UCLA joined us well, too. And you, Curtis Terry, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on uh, during this entire basketball season. I know we'll talk more and more and more.
4: Yes, sir. Thanks for having me, guys. It's always fun. And uh, here's to a good game tonight. There you go. And some Hattie Bees chicken before you leave? You know it. I'm running up there real quick <laughs> before i got to get my son to baseball.
3: <laughs> there you go, man. Good deal. Okay. Ballpark will catch uh, you tomorrow. And, uh... We'll look forward to this. We'll talk some baseball tomorrow with Ken Korak. He's going to join us, the voice of the Oakland Athletics and a longtime Las Vegas as well too. And of course, Terrible Tuesday and a whole lot more. Thanks, Quake, back in the studio. Numbchuck here, Double B, the Cosmopolitan of Las Vegas. We love you. If you miss any part of the show, check it out. TcMartinShow.com.